Welcome to the podcast from In Church, Phoenix. This message is, Carry Your Cross, with Brandon Kempton. January 29th, 2017. So, I'm not particularly proud to tell this story, because it's kind of embarrassing. So I'm going to ask you a question first. Who's been pulled over by the police before? Scott was honest. <laughs> um, makes me feel just a little bit better. Now, so, uh, going back about a month, I was driving, and I was really excited, because I had an awesome day planned. Um, so excited that I wasn't watching my speedometer. So I just got off... Uh, 101 and the 59th, and I'm going, there's a nice straightaway, it's got three traffic lights that are kind of spread out, so I thought it was good, and I'm driving, I'm driving, and I look to my left, just tucked away in this little neighborhood, and I see this motorcycle cop with his radar gun, so in the span of a couple seconds, I look down at my speedometer, look back up, I see him shoot me with the gun, and then I see him lower it to his side, did he get me, did he get me, and then he pulls out, and goes right behind me, I said, yeah, he got me, so he turns the lights on, I pull into a neighborhood, and I'm like, okay, roll the window down. I had really no idea because I'd never got pulled over, and it's not something they teach you in the handbook. But I had seen enough TV shows to get, like, an idea of what to do. So I pulled out license, um, insurance. I was looking for registration. So he comes up. You have them all of them. He goes, sir, you know why I pulled you over? Yes, sir. Did you observe the speed limit? Yes, sir. Did the car get away from you? Yes, sir. Okay, hold on a second. So he goes back. I'm kind of freaking out I'm like oh my goodness how much is this ticket gonna be am I gonna go to jail because I was going really fast and he comes up and he goes okay so you were going 59 out of 40 um, so here's your ticket go to this driving class and pay the fine and it won't go on your record but okay great took five minutes super nice motorcycle cop it was great so fast forward three weeks um, went to my driving class I was putting it off I didn't want to go and um, to save you guys the explanation of a four-hour-long driving class, I'm just going to like compress it and summarize it. So, uh, so here's the whole class in a nutshell. That's <sighs> about it, yeah. Funny side note, though. As I'm leaving, everyone's getting in their cars, and I see uh, three Mustangs, a Challenger, and a souped-up Subaru leaving. And I was like, my people... <laughs> Um, but typically when you hear stories of people getting pulled over, they're not super chipper like that. They don't have any funny stories. It's always like, oh, you know, my life sucks, or, you know, I can't believe the cop pulled me over. I can't believe he gave me this ticket. He was not a nice guy. You know, not, people don't really look for the silver lining because it, it's horrible. And, yeah, it was a lot of money. I did not want to spend four hours of my day in a driving class learning. But I got pretty cocky because I was like, okay, um, I hadn't got pulled over yet, and I said, okay, maybe I won't get pulled over. Maybe I'll just get really lucky, and uh, I got really cocky. It was a good reality check for me, but I like to look for the silver lining in things, so I found the silver lining at it. It's absolutely humiliating. Yeah, I know. It's not a silver lining per se, but just think about it for a second. I thought, you know, I got caught. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't talk my way out of the ticket. I can't get out of the ticket. I couldn't do anything. So I just had to bite the bullet. But I'm preaching, so I should probably use a more biblical term than bite the bullet. How about carry your cross or bear your cross? So if, if you guys want to join me in the Bible, um, I want to go to Matthew 16. 
and I'll put it. They'll be up on screen. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, Matthew 16. We're gonna start in verse 15. Hey. Okay. I'm just gonna use the screen. Um, so some backstory here. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's asking them, you know, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? So we'll start in verse 15. It says, Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whenever you... Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. I like that word, reprimand, for that. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, you will save it. I have another version here, NIV. It says, um, if anyone would, NIV, ESV. It says, if anyone would come up after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would lose, will, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So as Christians, we are, or as followers of Christ, we are not called, but we're commanded to carry our cross. Now, back then, it was probably a little scary for the apostles because there was a good chance they could get crucified, so they may actually have to carry their cross. But in our modern era, I, I don't think we're going to get crucified. I think that's significantly less. Um, so, but then how do we, as modern-day Christians, carry our cross? Because it's not, it's not a physical cross. So we have to look at what our cross is first. And to put it simply, it's dying to what our flesh wants to do, and it's choosing to sacrifice our will for God's will. It's saying, yeah, you know what, this is inconvenient. This is awkward, or this doesn't feel good. I have to sacrifice things. But it's putting them aside and saying, you know what, God, I'm doing this because you told me to do this. I'm doing this for you. So with that in mind, the Bible gives us two choices. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus, or just leave it on the ground. It's one of the many things I love about God is he always gives us a choice. Because when we choose something, our feelings for it are always stronger than if we never had a choice in the first place. If you were told to do something, you'd be like, oh, well, I don't really want to, but I'll do it because I have no choice. But when you choose, it's so much different. So with that in mind, we're going to go back to my initial question. How do we carry it? Because it is not a physical cross. You know, Jesus had to carry a physical cross. We don't. But our cross is... Um, a spiritual cross. So again, how do we carry it? Well, if we go back and read this passage again, we actually see it. Jesus tells us how to do it. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. We just have to give up our life. Lose our life. 
Now, I'm not saying go out and seek death in the name of Jesus, but we should as Christians be willing to do that, but in the country we live in, that's probably not going to happen. No, I think what Jesus is talking about is something different here. Jesus is saying, you know, give up your will. Give up the desires that you have, the, you know, the anger, the, the lust, the greed, the gossip, the hatred. Give up all of that because they're not godly. We must die to those things so that we can become more like Jesus. But giving them up doesn't necessarily mean that they're gone. And we know this because the enemy loves to attack us with it. But still, carrying a cross when you say it like that, it's easy. Like, I, I, can, I can die to my passions, you know, whatever. I don't have to do what I want all the time. But we all know it's not easy. It's a daily burden. So if you join me once more in the Bible, we're going to go to Acts chapter 4 this time. So I'll give you just a little bit more backstory to this. So this is after the resurrection, after Pentecost. Peter and John are in Jerusalem, and they're going to the temple, and they see a beggar asking for money. And Peter, not having any money, says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I will give to you. And he heals the man on the spot. So he does what any man would do when that happens. He gets up and starts praising and jumping and leaping. He's happy. And people are starting to notice this. So a big crowd rushes up uh, towards Peter and John. And Peter, being Peter, he uh, gets up and he starts preaching and telling people the good news. And then the leaders have him arrested and they spend the night in jail. So we pick it up um, in verse 5, where uh, they got out of jail and they've been brought to the leaders um, of Israel. So it says, On the next day there are rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias the high priest and high office uh, and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had said to them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them, is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them, because of the, of the people, for all that were praising God, and for what happened. For the man whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, 
Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouths of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The king of the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do what your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, I love reading about the apostles because it fills me with such conviction. Here we see Peter and John, who just spent a night in jail. It was probably miserable. I don't know what their jails were like, but they were probably beaten. They were thrown in jail. I can't imagine it would be in a comfortable area. They probably threw them in a bad place. Um, they get out of jail. They're brought before the leaders. They're threatened, and then they're cast out because they couldn't actually punish them. So they go to their friends, and this is what I find interesting. They didn't ask for God to give them a better life. They didn't ask for God to make it easy. They didn't ask God to take away their struggles. They asked God for boldness to continue what they were doing. That is what it is to carry your cross. It's to look discouragement. It's to look persecution right in the face and say, yeah, this is hard. This hurts. It's inconvenient. I have to sacrifice things. But say, I'm putting it aside. I'm doing this for you, Jesus. We ask him for the strength to carry on, and he gives it to us, and He, we rely on him to be able to do this. He helps us carry our cross. I like how um, Paul says, I don't actually have this verse up here, but Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I think this sums up perfect, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That means we don't have a right to say, oh God, I want to do what I want to do instead of what you want to do. We've been crucified with him. Our passions, our desires were crucified with him. And now we live for Jesus. We live for God. This is how we carry our cross. You know, I read to you the Gospel of Matthew in what he said about carrying your cross. But in the Gospel according to Luke, you know, Jesus says carrying your cross, it's a daily, it's a daily challenge. It's not a one and done, oh, I picked up my cross and that's it. It's every day you have to pick up your cross and walk with it. You have to pick up your cross and carry it. Um, all right, I'm going to pray. Lord God, we come before you and we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we got to spend reading your word. Thank you for dying for us, that it is through the death that you didn't deserve that we can spend eternal eternity with you. I ask that you would grant strength and boldness to everyone here to be able to carry on doing what you have commanded them to do with all boldness, all conviction, and all courage. We thank you that we don't have to carry our cross alone because you are right there with us. We praise your name, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed and encouraged you. Join us live on Sunday or at our Midweek Connect small group meetings in North Phoenix, Arizona.